0: Welcome to The Law with D.K. Williams. Giving the courts credit when they get it right, calling them out when they get it wrong. Welcome back to The Law. I am D.K. Williams, and this is Episode 73. We are going to talk about a case called Miller versus Wyoming. It just came out last week, March 3rd, 2020, from a unanimous Wyoming state Supreme Court. The Wyoming court ordered the state... Wyoming to return $470,040. It had stolen from one Mr. Robert Miller, a man who was driving through the state and got pulled over. Now, the state uses an Orwellian newspeak term in lieu of robbery. They call it civil asset forfeiture, but it is literally highway robbery. As always, The Law with D.K. Williams is brought to you in collaboration with Speakeasy Ideas. You can subscribe to The Law and other Speakeasy Ideas podcasts through your favorite podcast app or provider, whatever that might be, and right at speakeasyideas.com slash law for all of mine. You can follow this podcast on social media to keep up with what's going on. On Twitter, it's at thelawdkw, and on facebook.com slash the Law with DK Williams. I'd love to hear from you, leave a review if you're so inclined, review, comment, subscribe, share, etc. you know how that goes. If you'd like me to come speak to one of your groups, do some consulting, teach groups of kids or anybody, contact Bethany at speakeasyideas.com for details on that. And likewise, contact Bethany if you'd like to contribute to our work here at The Law with DK Williams via sponsorship, that would be awesome. And for those of you in Colorado, if you have any legal questions, you can contact me directly via text or phone 303-588-2731. We'll see if I might be able to point you in the right direction, if nothing else. All right. So this case, we've got Robert Miller, who the case tells us very little about, except that he had a lot of cash in his vehicle as he was driving through Wyoming. Now, this was a unanimous Wyoming state Supreme Court ruling, five to nothing. They only have five Supreme Court justices in the state. And right now, Three of the five who were on this opinion are female. Justice Lynn Boomgarden wrote the opinion, and she was joined by Chief Justice Michael K. Davis, Justice Kate Fox, Justice Keith Kautz, K-A-U-T-Z, Kutz, I am not sure, and Justice Kari, or Carey. it's spelled K-A-R-I, Gray. Wyoming has always been in the forefront of providing opportunity for women. They were the very first state to give women the legal authority to vote. So let's jump right into it. Justice Boomgarden tells us what's going on right from the beginning. She writes, the state of Wyoming seized $470,040 in United States currency from Robert Miller in November of 2013. Well, first of all, think about that. It's been almost seven years since this guy was pulled over and they took his money. She goes on, the district court forfeited the currency to the state under the Wyoming Control Substances Act. The dispositive issue that the Wyoming Supreme Court is dealing with is whether the state's 270-day, which is nine months, delay in instituting civil forfeiture proceedings, whether or not that delay nine months, violated the statutory requirement that the state institute such proceedings promptly, in quotation marks, and Mr. Miller's right to due process under the United States Constitution. So is nine months delay from seizing the money and actually filing paperwork with the court to make it official to hold on to the money that they've taken without filing any criminal charges in this case? Is that prompt under the statute? And even if it is, is that a violation of Mr. Miller's right to due process under the United States Constitution. And that's what the court deals with. And they ultimately decide in Mr. Miller's favor, overruling the trial court and ruling against the state. The Wyoming Supreme Court gets into the applicable U.S. Supreme Court case because we're dealing with, at least in part, the United States Constitution. And the Wyoming Court says, We conclude. The state unreasonably delayed filing the action. We therefore reverse and remand for dismissal with prejudice. That means the state's attempt to keep the money is denied. And with prejudice means they can't do it again. They can't try again. If something is denied without prejudice, it means if you wish, you can try again. If this is with prejudice. It's done. You cannot try again. The state cannot bring this back and try it again. They got to give the money back. Unfortunately, this case does not deal with the constitutionality of civil asset forfeiture itself. It only deals with the application of this Wyoming statute about promptly instituting the action. And if the state law enforcement waited too long to start the proceedings, keep the money it had already held for nine months without any charges being filed against Mr. Miller. And it implicates the due process clause of the United States Constitution as it applies to the states through the 14th Amendment, which we've talked about. The issue, as the court describes it, is should this action have been dismissed because it was not instituted promptly as required by the Wyoming statute and the Due Process Clause of the United States Constitution. So it's the amount of delay is the constitutional issue, not the existence of the asset forfeiture itself, which is unfortunate, but that's what we're dealing with. The court lays out the facts. It's kind of like a little crime story here. And the crime isn't being committed by Mr. Miller. Here we go. The facts underlying the seizure, though not directly at issue, provide important context for the proceedings. On the evening of November 18, 2013, again that's coming up on seven years ago, Wyoming Highway Patrol Trooper Brandon Dyson stopped Mr. Miller for speeding on Interstate 80 in Uinta County, Wyoming. Mr. Miller, the sole occupant of the car, told Trooper Dyson that the car was a rental and he was traveling from Reno, Nevada, to his home in Illinois. Mr. Miller provided Trooper Dyson his Illinois driver's license and rental car agreement. Trooper Dyson invited Mr. Miller to sit in the passenger seat of his patrol car while Trooper Dyson wrote him a citation. That seems unusual, but it is what it is, no big deal. But here is where some of the problems start for Mr. Miller. While Trooper Dyson completed the citation, they chatted about Mr. Miller's reason for visiting Fresno and his travel itinerary because the car was rented in Fresno despite him saying he was coming from Reno. But where he started has no application to what happened in the case. Trooper Dyson noticed what he considered signs of nervousness and deception, which means absolutely nothing objectively. Police can always say, oh, I thought he was a little nervous to justify their suspicion. It's pretext. Now, I'm not saying people can't be nervous. Sure, they can be nervous. But just because the cop says, I think he was nervous, and that gives them probable cause or a reason to start looking at what you might be doing is a stretch. Trooper Dyson asked for and received permission from Mr. Miller to ask some additional questions. Well, I guess you guys know he he did the wrong thing there. He should have answered something to the effect of, well, officer, am I free to go? or my being detained. I appreciate what you're doing, but I really need to get on my way if that's okay with you. And anytime you see the flashing lights behind you, hit record on your phone before the officer even gets to your car. That way, if there's any discrepancy about what the officer says happened and what you say happened, it's recorded. Don't count on the police having their camera on or their recording devices on. If they do, great. If not, you've got your own. Because remember, there is nothing more American than asserting your rights as protected by the Constitution. We fought a revolution. Our forefathers fought a revolution for those rights. So, waving them, I submit, is un-American. And anyone who suggests you should waive your rights is probably a communist. Mr. Miller denied having anything illegal in the car and gave Trooper Dyson permission to search it. You know I'm pulling my hair out when I read that. You all know to never consent to searches. For the exact same reasons assert your rights because that's what americans do that's what this country is founded upon is asserting your rights not giving them up don't give them up especially if you have nothing to hide rights are like muscles if you do not use them they atrophy so use them especially when you have nothing to hide and use them always if he hadn't consented here Mr. Miller probably would have kept his cash and would have been allowed to go on. And even if somehow the trooper came up with some reason to search, nothing worse would have happened to him. The worst case thing for Mr. Miller here was the search that found this cash. So if he doesn't consent, he's at least got the argument that the search was illegal, unauthorized, unconstitutional. But once he consents, all of that's gone. You are wadding up the Constitution as it protects you and throwing it away. Don't do that. So Trooper Dyson does a search. He pulled back the carpet lining along the right side of the trunk and discovered a manila envelope in the void behind the trunk lining. The envelope contained rubber-banded bundles of currency. He saw at least one more manila envelope in the void behind the lining. He returned to his patrol car and read Mr. Miller his Miranda rights. So Miller was still in the patrol car in the passenger seat, apparently. Mr. Miller, at this point, stated he wanted to talk to a lawyer. Now he wants to talk to a lawyer. Now he's asserting his rights. When he's already waived all all the important ones. Up to that point anyway. So apparently the trooper doesn't ask him any more questions, but he searched the car further, found a total of nine manila envelopes containing a total of $470,000 in the rear quarter panels. And you might go, hey, that's kind of suspicious. So what? It's not illegal to carry cash. If you think it's weird, none of your business. But the drug war in large part has made it the government's business. It's another reason the drug war is a failure. And worse than that, it has eroded our Fourth Amendment and other protections. And get this part. Mr. Miller also had $40 in his possession. So that's how we get the total amount. $470,000 and $40. So not only did they take the $470,000 in the manila envelopes in the rear quarter panels, they took his gas money. They took his 40 bucks in his pocket or in his wallet. Fuck about an insult. Trooper Dyson learned from the El Paso Intelligence Center and an officer in California that Mr. Miller had ties to, what he had ties to? That means nothing. If your cousin broke the law and you know your cousin, now you have a connection to him and you've got a connection to illegal activity. Ties are meaningless. And if that's all it takes, the government can take anything of yours if you have a connection with some allegedly illegal activity of someone else to whom you're connected. And keep in mind here, if I haven't mentioned this yet, I think I did. Wyoming, no other law enforcement agency, not the feds, not the state, no one ever charged him with anything. Not a zilch. So somehow the troopers contacting El Paso, I guess the the Texas one, not uh, the county in Colorado Springs or around Colorado Springs. But he learned somehow he made some calls, got on the radio, learned from the El Paso Intelligence Center. Maybe there's an El Paso in Wyoming. And an officer in California that Miller had ties to a case involving large quantities of LSD, an LSD precursor in California. That's pretty flimsy stuff. And none of it would have happened if Miller had not given permission. And, and if it had happened, now he's got a defense. He's got to say, this is an illegal stop. I never gave consent, And he had no legitimate reason to look, if he had looked anyway. And here's in a footnote right here about this large quantities of LSD tie that Miller supposedly had. Further investigation. This is from the court's opinion. Further investigation revealed that the connection was eight to nine years old. Makes it even more of a flimsy excuse to arrest this guy for merely having cash. Nothing else. Court goes on. A Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation Task Force officer. Uh oh, when you get the task force involved, you know they've upped it a notch. So the task force officer contacted the Wyoming Attorney General's office later that night and received authorization to seize the currency under Wyoming Civil Forfeiture Statute. There's the Orwellian Newspeak. And now we get a, a legal term I don't think we've used before. The court says that the state filed its verified complaint for forfeiture in rem. And that's the part, in rem, that's the legal term from the latin i believe and it means made or availing against or affecting a thing so it's not against the person it's against a thing and that's this whole civil asset for forfeiture is about the thing in this case cash or it could be a boat it could be a car it could be anything it could be anything so if it's an in-rim action it's about something tangible, in essence. So, the state filed this complaint for forfeiture in rem, forfeiture of the thing, 270 days after the seizure, nine months after they stop him and find the, the cash. Nine months later, they they finally get around to asking for permission to keep it, even though they've been keeping it the whole time. The state's complaint alleged the currency had been lawfully seized pursuant to a probable cause determination by the Wyoming Attorney General. Yeah, whatever, the Attorney General wasn't there. The complaint further alleged The currency was subject to forfeiture because it was used or intended for use in the delivery or receipt of controlled substances or was otherwise used to facilitate a violation of the Wyoming Controlled Substances Act. And what's that based on? A nine-year-old tie, a connection? That is really weak. So 270 days after the initial traffic stop for speeding, this complaint is filed alleging the money was used in drug trafficking. Yet in that 270 days, the state of Wyoming ended the investigation and decided they didn't have enough evidence to file charges against Miller, but they want the money anyway. Feds didn't pursue charges. Wyoming didn't pursue charges. No law enforcement agency pursued charges. They had made that decision at that point, 270 days later, they, well, we're not going to charge this guy. We don't have enough evidence against him. That tie, that connection to this nine-year-old case or investigation wasn't enough. But they want the money anyway. Let that sink in. That's the government. And that's obscene. Miller, among other things, or as I think we've mentioned before, lawyers like to say inter alia, which means among other things. So, Miller finally said that the state took too long in br- bringing this in-rim action to keep the money pursuant to the Wyoming statute. And that argument is what wins for Miller here, that the state, quote, violated its statutory and federal and state constitutional obligations to initiate the action promptly, because the Wyoming statute said that it, the state has to, had to initiate the proceeding promptly. As one might imagine, that could cause some area of dispute Mr. Miller, according to the court's opinion, moved to dismiss the case on grounds that the state's delay in instituting proceedings nine months after he was stopped violated his due process rights under the United States Constitution. So the state argued it had a year to bring the interim action because that was another statute in another part of the Wyoming statutes. The court here says that they were wrong there. That's not the one that applied. The one that applies is the one that says it must be done promptly. Miller argued and the court agreed here that the applicable statute said the action had to be brought promptly, which of course is an indefinite time period, which often results in litigation when something is indefinite like that. And I'll just note as a practical matter that after Miller's money was stolen by the state, but before the Supreme Court of Wyoming's decision last week or just about last week, in between those two times, nine years, the Wyoming legislature amended this provision that's applying here to Miller, that said the state had to do this promptly, they realized that that was a bad way to say it. And they changed the statute to say, to within 120 days from the date of seizure, or within 30 days following the completion of any criminal prosecution relating to the seizure, whichever is later. So they clarified, at least to some degree, how long the state has, not just promptly, but with some actual time limits on it. Now, they've got one time limit from the date of the seizure, and then another one following the completion of any criminal prosecution relating to the seizure. Well, there should be no forfeiture unless there has been a criminal conviction. Anything else is absurd, but that's where we are basically in this country. The government says, hey, we're gonna take your money or your car or your house, whatever, because we think it might have been used for criminal activity or might be the result of profit you made from a criminal activity. But you know what? We don't have the evidence to even charge you criminally much less get a conviction but this lower standard in a civil action means we don't have to charge you and we get to keep your stuff i'm not making that up this is the real situation in this country and that is straight out of an authoritarian dystopia but it's real and the, and get this it gets worse so during this time between the forfeiture and 9 months later when the state decided to officially seek government approval to keep the money, despite deciding they weren't going to charge him with anything. During that time, quote, the state told Miller's attorney they were willing to return 10% of the funds, $47,000, in exchange for Mr. Miller's voluntary relinquishment of his claim to the rest of the money. How benevolent of the state. We'll give you 10% back of your money that we cannot tie to any criminal activity. We can't even charge you with anything. But we're, we'll give you 10% of it back. Just let us keep the 90% of it. Hey, everybody's happy. Well, that's absurd, right? I mean, that that is truly, truly obscene. We definitely know that when we see it. And this is what the government does frequently. They take the money or whatever property. They make you fight for it. If you even fight for it. If you don't fight for it, they keep it. And if you do fight for it, then they offer you a fraction of your own money back. And they say, hey. Take this or you're going to have to keep fighting and no telling what that's going to cost you. And most people don't want that fight. Most people can't afford that fight. The government has far more resources than you, unless Michael Bloomberg is listening to this or Bill Gates or somebody. Unless you're one of those guys, the government has got a lot more resources than you do. The opinion goes on. So given the large amount of currency... And information suggesting that Mr. Miller was tied to LSD distribution in California, the state's attorney also contacted United States Drug Enforcement Administration officials and learned they were also investigating Mr. Miller. By the middle of June, remember he was pulled over in November of 13, so now it's June of 14 from the opinion now. By the middle of June, it appeared unlikely that either Wyoming or federal law enforcement would pursue criminal charges against Mr. Miller. So, obviously, right? The state's attorney began preparing the forfeiture complaint and related documents. Follow that. Hey, we're talking to the feds. They're not going to charge him. We're not going to charge him. Therefore, I better begin preparing the forfeiture complaint to keep his money. That is literally what is happening. So again, the timeline. Miller was pulled over in November of 2013. By June of 2014, the government, at all levels, had decided they did not have the evidence to charge Miller, but they wanted to keep the money anyway. Then, almost three months later, in August of 2014, they filed the paperwork in rem against the money, and that is the basis for Mr. Miller's due process claim, that the government sat around and held the money so long it violated his due process rights. And that's what wins. Not that this entire process of taking his money and keeping it without charging with anything is unconstitutional. That's still out there. But they took too long to do it is why he won. So Miller made these arguments at the trial level, but he lost there, which is not unusual because most trial judges used to be DAs. And they're more sympathetic to the state than they are to individuals and individual rights in the Constitution. And his case made its way all the way to the Wyoming Supreme Court, and Miller one last week like we talked about. Now, I think the state of Wyoming could appeal this to the United States Supreme Court if they wanted to, since we're talking about the application of the due process clauses, both of them, the one that applies to the feds and the one that applies to the states via incorporation, because a federal constitutional issue was argued. They've got the right, I believe, or the authority to appeal it to the United States Supreme Court. And if they do that, while it's pending, they're going to continue to hold on to the $470,000 and $40, $470,040. Now, the odds of the U.S. Supreme Court hearing it are slim, and I don't think they'll do it. If I, I'll see if I can find out what eventually happens, and I'll let you guys know. So back to the Wyoming Supreme Court opinion. In classic understatement, the court said, we have recognized that promptly is not an exact term. I think they're right. The court says Did the state initiate this forfeiture proceeding promptly or not? We conclude the state acted promptly only if it honored the procedural due process protections afforded by the United States Constitution. Then the Wyoming Supreme Court discusses U.S. Supreme Court precedents. It says control the issue, and I believe they're right. A couple of notes from the Wyoming Supreme Court's opinion A civil forfeiture proceeding is quasi criminal its object like a criminal proceeding is to penalize for the commission of an offense against the law accordingly a civil forfeiture proceeding implicates a person's due process rights so again this is a way for the government to get around you know actually having to prove a criminal case the united states supreme court held in a Seminole case, that the four-factor test it had developed in another case to evaluate a defendant's speedy trial right under the Sixth Amendment provides the relevant framework for determining whether the delay in filing a forfeiture action was reasonable. So basically, the Supreme Court dealt with the right to a speedy trial in a criminal context, and the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, has also applied that same analysis To the delay in filing a forfeiture action. So one's a trial for yourself. One is basically a process to see if the government's going to keep your money. Same factors, which are, one, the length of the delay. Two, the reason for the delay. Three, the claimant's assertion of his right, in this case, Mr. Miller. And four, the prejudice to the claimant. Then we get to my favorite constitutional thing. As you guys know, balancing tests. The Wyoming court quotes the U.S. Supreme Court in saying the factors, these four factors we just talked about, are guides in balancing the interests of the claimant and the government to assess whether the basic due process requirement of fairness has been satisfied in a particular case. Seriously? Balancing interests? What are they balancing if the government has an interest in taking cash from innocent people? And until Miller is found guilty in this country, he is innocent. These forfeiture laws are a travesty. There is no government interest in keeping money from an innocent person, but that's what they're weighing because that helps catch bad guys. These law, forfeiture laws are a travesty and they're everywhere. There is a movement to rein them in or get rid of them, but it hasn't succeeded. Wyoming court goes on, we evaluate those factors, these four factors, to determine whether the state instituted this forfeiture proceeding promptly in accordance with Mr. Miller's rights under the Wyoming law and the United States Constitution. They go over each of these four factors and they ultimately decide Mr. Miller's due process rights were violated by the state's delay in attempting to justify its brazen theft of almost half a million dollars. That, of course, is my take on it, not the court's. Oh, and before I forget, get this. So the trooper took the $470,000 in manila envelopes hidden in the trunk, and they took the $40 in Miller's pocket. They took the guy's gas money. Anyway, while discussing these four factors and this balancing test, the Wyoming Supreme Court notes, there were never any pending criminal proceedings against Mr. Miller with respect to this currency seizure. But courts have extended the applicable U.S. Supreme Court discussion of criminal proceedings to criminal investigations. And this is what courts do all the time, far too often. They stretch government authority just a little bit more. And the Wyoming Supreme Court is calling other courts out on this. They're saying that the U.S. Supreme Court has said a criminal proceeding might be a reason to hold on to seized assets, a criminal proceeding. The U.S. Supreme Court did not say a criminal investigation because a criminal proceeding means you're in court. A criminal investigation means the cops are doing whatever they're doing in their offices. A proceeding and an investigation are very different things. The U.S. Supreme Court discussed proceedings and then lower courts have expanded that to criminal investigations. Wyoming here refuses to do that. So major props to them for saying these other cases, other courts are wrong. And there are other cases in other courts that do it right. And Wyoming points to them and joins them in their rationale correctly. Then in another masterpiece of understatement, the court says, at some point, however, the government's interest in completing an investigation is outweighed by the interests of the claimant in his property. I think so. then another of the four factors the Wyoming court analyzes is whether the claimant has been prejudiced by the delay. Mr. Miller has never argued the delay prejudiced his ability to present a defense, because sometimes it, it would. He has, however, argued prejudice is fairly apparent and obvious because he lost the use and the time value of the currency for nine months. Absolutely, that's a prejudice. Now, some of the other courts, again, we talked about discussing this issue or similar issue, have said being deprived of the property isn't sufficient prejudice. Fortunately, other courts in Wyoming here aren't that ridiculous. Of course, being deprived of money or your assets or your property is a prejudice, and that's one of the factors. Wyoming court looks to a North Dakota court involving a similar issue. So, In a case out of this North Dakota involving one black 1989 Cadillac, the state of North Dakota seized a Cadillac from the owner without process pursuant to a law enforcement officer's Probable cause determination, just like here for Mr. Miller, because it, the Cadillac, had allegedly been used to transport marijuana for purpose of sale. And again, this is what the drug war gets you. Violations of the Fourth Amendment and more government power to take your stuff, even when they don't have any criminal charges against you. There's your drug war result. Not to mention subsidizing violent cartels that push it on the weak and the vulnerable and kill people. During alcohol prohibition, gangs had shootouts in the streets. That doesn't happen anymore. I'll let you connect the dots. So in this North Dakota case, the court there found that a five and a half month deprivation of the Cadillac before the state began the forfeiture process was not prompt. So by way of comparison, the Wyoming Supreme Court says the state's North Dakota's seizure of the Cadillac deprived that owner of his right of ownership over the car including his right of use and enjoyment and the right of sale, and the Cadillac had been seized without any prior process on a law enforcement officer's probable cause determination. That's all. Thus increasing the risk that the state seizure was an arbitrary encroachment on his right to property. Mr. Miller, the Wyoming court says, suffered similar prejudice. The seizure deprived him of his ownership of a substantial sum of money, including his right to use, enjoy, and invest it. So after analyzing the four-part U.S. Supreme Court test and weighing the interests of the state versus Mr. Miller's property rights, the Wyoming Supreme Court concluded, On balance, under the circumstances of this case, the claimant, Mr. Miller, his interests outweigh the state's, the state did not satisfy the basic due process requirement of fairness to which Mr. Miller was entitled. The state failed to promptly institute the forfeiture proceedings in violation of the Wyoming statute and Mr. Miller's right To due process under the United States Constitution. We therefore reverse and remand for dismissal with prejudice. The state must return the currency to Mr. Miller. And there you have it. At this point, the state has been ordered to give Mr. Miller back the $470,000 in cash plus his $40 in gas money, thank goodness. So that's good. But what is bad is that civil asset forfeiture is even a thing in this country, in the United States of America. Americans are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yet this Stalinesque practice punishes individuals by taking away their property or their money or their stuff without even any charges being filed, much less actually having to get a conviction. Now, if you get a conviction and it's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt that you use that Cadillac to do something illegal, sometimes law enforcement complains about the lack of respect they get in modern America. But because of nonsense like this, insisting that they need to be able to take your money or car or boat or whatever without even filing criminal charges is part of why a lot of people have a reason to lose respect for them. This is largely of law enforcement's own doing, this insistence that they have to be able to take your property without filing charges against you. They only have themselves to blame for that aspect of losing respect. When the cops become the criminals, they deserve to lose respect. I'm D.K. Williams, and this has been The Law, Episode 73, Miller v. Wyoming, a unanimous decision from the Wyoming Supreme Court issued just over a week ago ordering law enforcement to return cash it had seized for Mr. Miller. Not because asset forfeiture is unconstitutional, but because Wyoming waited too long to start the proceedings. We'll keep you advised as there's any further developments. We're brought to you in collaboration with Speakeasy Ideas. Let me know what you think about this podcast or any of the other ones we have done. Go to Twitter at TheLawDKW. You can hit me up there, follow for updates, and on Facebook.com slash TheLawWithDKWilliams. I'm available for speaking engagements, consulting, teaching, and a beer. Contact Bethany at SpeakeasyIdeas.com for details And for those of you in Colorado, if you have any legal questions, contact me via text or phone at 303-588-2731. We'll see if I might be able to point you in the right direction. Until next week, freedom is dangerous, my friends. Live dangerously.